Welcome to the DJ Cross Talk Podcast with your host, DJ JP. Good morning, Keith, and uh, welcome to uh, DJ Cross Talk Podcast. Just want to ask you a couple questions and get to know you a little better. Thank you, thank you. Get to know you a little better and uh, talk to you about the uh, Marquis show that's coming up in Chicago in June on the 14th through the 16th. Very excited. Very excited to uh, be here and talk to you and anybody else uh, watching us. Thank you, thank you. So, first of all, I just want to know a little bit about you. Tell me a little bit how you got into the industry or, you know, your background. Sure. I um, I joined the Fraternity House in college, and a bunch of the guys were all working for a mobile DJ service. And they were meeting tons of girls. And what do college guys like to do in college? They like to meet college girls. And uh, my college girlfriend and I had just broken up. And uh, it just kind of fell into place. And one thing led to another. I fell so in love with DJing that when I got to portfolio review as an architecture major, I told my parents, I'm like, you know what? You're going to kill me. But this architecture thing's just not doing it for me. <laughs> the DJ thing is, and they thought I had lost my mind, but unbelievably supportive. If you guys come out to the Marquee Show, you'll meet my mom because she works registration at it. Okay. She's Mama K, and everybody knows her that's been in the business for any length of time. And so that's it. So, yeah, she's she's everyone's mom at the Marquee Show. That's how you got into the industry in college. You saw it. You said, yeah. hey, it's a great way to get chicks. So I'm going to dive into this DJ industry. And I fell in love with it, man. I loved making the dance floor pop. And I got so into it that uh, I started, I left the company I was working for in 1990, February 1st of 1990. So this is what, my 32nd year in business. Mm-hmm. Makes me sound old, but it is what it is. And uh it, uh, you know, it's been a roller coaster and I love it. And I wouldn't imagine anything else. I couldn't imagine selling insurance or real estate or anything. And I don't, uh, I don't look down on anybody that does anything different. But it's like they yep. say, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. It's like a good legal drug. Once you get it, you always want to get that same high again of getting a packed dance floor. Sure. Uh, we can't, I think DJs are control freaks because we like to control what is in front of us. And, and that's just that's just the drug that we're on the high of controlling that dance floor. Yeah, I, I'm not a control freak, but could you move a little bit to the left? You're, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was a joke about. Being See, there you go. Left. You're trying to get me. <laughs> now I'm a, but no, that's a good see. You are. You are. I'm just uh, teasing. Yeah. So, uh, what is your current? What are you currently doing in the industry? Uh, what is your job? Uh, well, I'm a serial entrepreneur. So I own uh, Keith Christopher Entertainment in Chicago, based out of Chicago suburbs. I own Fred Fox Studios, which is a uh, photography and video company that I purchased about seven years ago, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. I own Aberdeen's Wedding Florist, which is a full wedding decor, floral decor company, which I bought about seven or eight years ago. Um, I also own a company called Buddy's Carts and Catering, which is like a niche little fun catering business. We do hot dog carts, ice cream carts, popcorn carts. So we do more kind of concession stand type of things. But in the wedding business, we do the late night snacks. So we bring out the Chicago style hot dog cart, the big stainless steel cart with the big umbrella. And people can come up to us at a wedding, you know, and get their nosh on late night. We'll make it exactly the way they want it. 
And we do like tons of community events and corporate events and kids only bar and bat mitzvahs and such. So, so that's what that company does. I also, um, it's part of Keith Christopher, but I also own an entity called the Windy City Wedding Show. Mm-hmm. And we produce wedding shows in Chicago. In fact, we just had one at the beginning of February and we had Randy Finoli from Say Yes to the Dress out at our show. And we had celebrity wedding planner David Sutera out at our show and uh, bridal gown designer Matthew Christopher flew in from New York for our show. So, wow, pretty cool. And then um, I also own the, uh, the marquee DJ and photo booth conference. Um, and then the last thing that I just started this past year is I have another marquee brand called the Marquee Wedding Show Producers Conference. So whereas, you know, I'm hoping to have a thousand people at the DJ show, we'll probably only have about 25 or 30 at the uh, Wedding Show Producers Conference. So it's like a small little niche thing. David Tutera is flying in. Alan Berg is flying in. Um, We've got some really uh, amazing presenters at this, but that goal is to help wedding show producers plan shows that are more profitable for them, that bring in more wedding couples, which in turn help, you know, gentlemen like yourself that might be exhibiting at a show. And Mm -hmm. that show is open to everybody, whether you are a radio station that does one show a year, whether you're even a, a reception venue that does like two open houses a year, you know, it's open to anybody and everybody who wants to learn how to produce a wedding show. So, so what I'll do is I'll make sure I get that from you so I can spread that out down here in DFW cool. to uh, all the uh, vendors and wedding planners and different people I know here. Um, so I didn't count, but how many companies is that, Key? I don't know. Too many. <laughs> and, and when I'm not doing that, I sleep. And that's it. Yeah. So, wow. Man. Uh, I met a guy in New York and he said, you always need six strings of income. I think you've uh, you've met that goal. I have six strings of headaches, but yes. I do love it. Oh and, you know, my I, gosh. I, I, I'm not married. I'm not in a relationship. I don't have any kids. So my businesses are my passion and my hobby. And um, and when I do get into relationships, as I have in the past, I I carve out the amount of time and I delegate and we kind of shift things, but, but COVID was a tough, uh, tough two years. And I'm glad Illinois, or I should say, yeah, state of Illinois, March 1st, yesterday officially ended their mask mandates and, and such. And so things are open. So anybody wondering what marquee show is going to be like in June, as of right now, we have no reason to believe that we'll be stepping backward. We'll just be moving forward. So You'll be able to eat in restaurants without glass partitions. You'll be able to not have to wear a mask unless you want to. And I have no judgment. When we were in Vegas last week, some people were wearing masks that I dined with. Some people weren't. And yeah. Yeah, you do you. Yeah, and you do you. That's how I feel too. Yep. You know, you be feel whatever makes you comfortable and safe. So yeah. moving on to our next question, what sure. is it that you love about the uh, industry? Because I can't, I don't know which say to say DJ or photo booth or whatever. No, well, here's the thing. I think that when we get into this, ultimately as DJs, we're people pleasers, right? We want to please the people. We want to pack the dance floor. And it's the same thing. I want to provide my clients with absolutely beautiful, floral, fresh hot dogs, you know, that uh, they chomp into and 
Um, you know, or seeing the smile of kids when I hand them cotton candy or, or any of it. It's like we're a people-pleasing industry. Um, I just have the ability to do it in a variety of different ways. I love delivering flowers to wedding couples. And when I hand that bride her bouquet while she's getting ready, and all of her bridesmaids are like, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. Yes. Like it's, it's no different than playing that perfect jam and everyone's running out to the dance store. You know that you're making people happy. So I'd say that's first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I got into marketing because I was a headlining DJ for another company long. I mean, this is late 80s. And I went from being booked all the time to starting my own company. And I didn't take any customers. I didn't let anyone know I was leaving the company until I left the company with the exception of my parents. Okay. And so the day that I went into office Depot to have nine ninety five business cards printed, um, <laughs> was the day that I gave my notice. And then when the business cards were printed is when I started knocking on doors in my fraternity house and hitting the sororities and the schools and everybody I had worked with. But I went from working like every weekend, generally two parties as a headliner to go mm-hmm. to zero. And I, all of a sudden I was like, Oh my God, I, I knew I was start my own company, but I didn't know how to do the marketing. And so, um, you know, I did a lot of trial and error. And then um, my mom actually checked out the book Guerrilla Marketing by J. Conrad Levinson. Mm-hmm. And I fell as in love with marketing and making the phone ring as I did uh, making the dance floor phone. So, so would you say that's something that you're, that you've, ma- I won't say mastered, but that you uh, have learned? I wouldn't say to- anyone's mastered it, but I'm a nerd. I, yeah, so you like uh, marketing is a is a, I love it. a gift. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say it's a gift. I mean, I understand it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I understand it. I think I do a good job of putting it into practice. And, and that's it. I mean, my, the marquee show is still not, at, you know, 10,000 DJs and internationally known. So I won't say that I'm a master at it, but I'm hoping that we break the 1,000 mark. So I'm you're of course coming, right? I mean, I know it's June. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'd rather you go with me and tell I'm me you're considering coming. it, but uh, I'm I'm looking at my schedule. But I really want to come because I think you're doing some great things, and we'll jump into the show a little yeah. later. But yeah. I, I really, really, and truly, I was just talking to a business partner of mine the other day, and I told him, let's look at trying to see if we can fit that into our schedule. But we'll jump yeah. deep into that after. But uh, question I like to ask everybody is what is something that or something about the industry that you don't like the current industry? Um, I, I don't think this is based on our industry. I think it's it's all small business owners. My father owned his own uh, manufacturing facility. We did machining and sheet metal work. So we made parts that went inside of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everybody believes they're worth more. And I don't know if that's in a, a spoiled American traits that even, you know, even the, the entry level positions and fast food restaurant workers believe they deserve more. But I think that our egos in our industry are simply too large. I mean, I'm very, very blessed to be making the living I'm making. 
But the way that people turn up their nose at a part-time DJ charging $600, uh-huh. let's, let, let's do the math for a minute. If you're a minimum wage employee making $15 an hour pre-tax yeah. and you're working at Walmart, Target, uh, a million other places, and there's nothing wrong with it. I, I have no, I don't think I'm better than anyone. You're working 40 hours to make the same thing that a part-time DJ might be making. You cheated. So, you already know the numbers. So yeah, that's six hundred dollars at forty hours. Six hundred bucks. But believe it or not, maybe in Chicago they are, but in a lot of places they're not even making fifteen dollars an hour. I get it, but I mean, but again, based on yesterday, even Joe Biden pushing the concept of fifteen dollars mm-hmm. an hour. Yeah. And again, I'm extremely grateful that I get paid what I get paid. Um, for for entertaining at someone's wedding reception. I also have a ton of bells and whistles. So by the time I'm done selling them a DJ and a ceremony system and uplights and, um, you know, a photo booth and, you know, I try to add on our little hot dog cart whenever possible and stuff. The idea of spend, someone spending four or $5,000 with me for one night. I think it's, I mean, a Harley, I use Harley Davidson's four or $5,000. I mean, it's, it's major. It's really, yeah. really major. What we do is really a blessing, but I really kind of like what you said. I'm trying to get a way to dive into it. Uh, mm-hmm. So you, do you think each person with like the flowers having an ego, the DJ having an ego, the planner having it, you think that's what's hurt, That's what you're trying to say? I, we all I think that everybody, I think that everybody has an inflated value. And there's nothing wrong with it. I think some of that's pride, but it's mm-hmm. a matter of checking your ego at the door. Um, if you were in the seminar last week at Mex. And there was a guy talking about the $3,000 being a $3,000 MC. I was there. Okay. So you heard, he turned around and said, can you believe that someone was spending $4,500 on flowers or whatever? And I kept thinking, yes, because it was important to that wedding couple. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there was an attendee there showing off that she bought a $7,500 Louis Vuitton purse. That's a Harley Davidson for me. Yeah, it is a purse. But again, I'm not judging you for what you eat, what you drink, what you drive, what you wear, or what have you. I mean, that's that's personal choice. But when I was on radio, we had a, a show called Bridal Expo Radio. Uh huh. And what was interesting is our show producer, after about I don't know. We were in maybe 10 shows. And he goes, you know what's interesting? He goes, and I, he goes, and I eloped. He goes, so I didn't even, I didn't go through any of the boarding planning that you guys are talking about. Mm -hmm. He goes, every single person that comes on your show talks about how they are, or they imply that they're the most important part of a wedding day. You know, he said the invitation company talked about how, (laughs) what kind of a statement do you want to make on your wedding day to get people excited about your wedding? And you can't go with a cheap invitation. You need to go with something elaborate and fancy, which gets your family and friends excited. And then the limo company turned around and said, you know, you can't just show up in a garbage truck. You need to arrive in style. You're wearing the most expensive dress you're ever going to own. You people are dressed in tuxes and you need to arrive in style. And the florist was talking about how beautiful and everyone's going to. And 
everybody sells that their service is a major part of the day. Oh, wow. Keith, this this is mind blowing. You know, I've never thought about it like that. But I mean, I guess we all have to have a, a... an ego to sell ourselves and push ourselves. And I don't know, there's probably not a specific pie chart, but really what it all boils down to is what is important to the couple. Absolutely. Yeah. They're not very clearly as stated that a wedding couple will choose two or three things that are really important to them. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of their budget gets cut up around it. So for some wedding couples, they want to be in a downtown metro area and they want to have the big shishi looking, you know, ballroom with crystal chandeliers, or they want a raw space so their thing looks like something totally cool and hip. And they'll spend the money on the venue, but then they'll buy the cheapest chicken dinner that they offer. Yeah. And they might be offering, um, you know, call brand liquor or well brand liquor as opposed yeah. to call brand liquor and or some slits ball liquor bull or something. Whatever. But yeah. I mean it just depends and you know if you go to any Facebook bridal group, uh-huh. you will see all of these brides that have bought Etsy styled stuff for their wedding that they're selling it three weeks after their wedding once they get back from their honeymoon. Mm-hmm. And it's like Here's a chalkboard I used for my wedding for our signature drinks. Here's a mirror that we used for this. Here's leftover candles. And and again, I don't blame anybody for it, but people wanted to look a certain way and they wanted to be very Pinteresty yeah. or not that commish. And, and then they're I, done with it. So I talk to all my brides, I always say, what is your vision? And, you know, and of course, ask them how important music is to them in their wedding. And that's why I try to base mine. But it, it's so all it's so it's a roller coaster. So it's so the reason that Baskin Robbins has 31 flavors. Right? Yes. And yeah. everybody wants a different flavor. But mm-hmm. I've never thought about that. But I, I'm definitely I plan on getting some planners and some. Uh, venue owners and different folks on the show and get their perspective. Mm-hmm. Only people that probably can only say they're going to they have a set market for their is a venue because they probably just, OK, here's our price and this is what we do. Maybe different on days and different things. But like you say, everybody else has an ego. But I can understand a venue owner and their perspective. Well, a venue owners has the biggest responsibility. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. I mean, they have to deal with the liquor, the health and safety of the property. Of, I mean, there's no question that the lion's share of the budget is being spent on the venue and the and the catering, and and it makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they also have the biggest. They have the most to lose. I mean, if some if the venues run down or whatever, yeah, it's just not the case. But when you walk into a venue and it's beautiful, you're definitely earning fans immediately. So there's no question about it. But you really opened my mind up to that and thinking about that. And I'm just, I'm going to make a note. I'm definitely going to go back and listen to this. Just like I said, I was going to go, I'm going to share your, um, your presentation with a few friends and let them hear because there were some great nuggets. That's a great nugget because I never thought about it. Like all of us have egos and one is not more important than the other. We are to ourselves, but it's, it depends on what's important to the couple. But and, and here's the other part. The, the pie is only, you know, this big, right? Yes. And it. you're going to fight to take as much of it. So the, the invitation person has to go with what's left over. 
you know, yeah. and I mean, and that's just the way that it is. And there's, there's nothing wrong with you fighting for your piece of the pie. No. Um, you know, in the school market years and years ago, I'll never forget. We had a school who told us what little budget they had and they were a loyal school and we complied with their budget as opposed to getting what we felt we were worth for the amount of work and production we put in. And then we chatted with the balloon decor company that was there and we found out that they were making more money than we were. And so we went back to the school for the following dance and said, listen, I know we've done it for X dollars, but we also know that you're spending XXX X, X dollars with the decor company to make it look cool. Mm -hmm. I'd like to add more production to it. And at the end of the day, if the product, if the balloon company doesn't show up, the gym looks plain. If the DJ doesn't show up, there's no dance. Yes. So you have to show, make them understand the value also. Right. And everybody's exactly. selling their value, but yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, a hundred, hundred percent. And now I've got certain schools that just go, here's, here's $10,000. You know, here's our theme. What do you want to do? Yes. Yeah. And that's it. And, 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 and once cool. they understand that, I mean, once they know the value, because you, and then the other, I, I hate this, but a lot of those Facebook groups hurt the industry too by budget weddings or, you, you know, people can afford what they want. Hang on a second. Everyone has a budget. I mean, okay? I understand Even that. Even celebrities saying, have a budget. Yeah, but we shouldn't so, be saying, here's a, a budget group. I mean, I just don't feel like you, okay, we know what your budget is, but it doesn't have, because it puts less value on their wedding on them as a customer to me too. He's saying, here's a, a budget group. I mean, I just don't feel like you, okay, we know what your budget is, but it doesn't have, because it puts less value on their waiting on them as a customer to me too. And on our service. I yeah, mean, but we're also hypocrites. I mean, let's face it. <laughs> Last week at the show, yes. everybody was excited. It was beating people up to get the show price for that photo booth, that set of speakers, that new Pioneer controller. Everybody wants the best value for the dollar. There's no question about it. And I'm sure some people chose to go with a less expensive photo booth company than a more elaborate photo booth with a less expensive software. And again, stay at the least expensive hotel instead yeah. of staying at South. Oh Florida. my God. You know, yeah. people were complaining. Here's, here's what boggled my mind. I posted in our marquee show group uh -huh. about the show, and a bunch of people were saying, I hate that it's not on the strip. It was 15 to $20 for an Uber. And I'm thinking all of these DJs who are bragging about how much they charge and how busy they are, are jumping. So let's say four DJs, maybe three DJs are jumping into an Uber together and splitting a $15 Uber. Yes. So let's say it's $20 with gratuity. $5 per yeah. person. Like if you're sweating that, Come on. And the and the South Point was a beautiful place. Like it, it really was. And to, and to have someone you can go eat, go bowling, probably catch a movie all in one spot. Oh. I mean, it was great. I, uh, there's some things, but I'm not going to knock it. I just think it's going to get uh, it can only improve as far as some of the stuff like the showroom for DJs and yeah. some of the seminars and different things. But I know they're going to work to make it better. So uh, we just have to okay. wait and see what yeah. happens. Yeah, I hope that everybody always works to make their shows but, better. Like I said, you've 
really opened my mind to that the egos for everybody in the industry and fighting for that small. And listen, and I have my, don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm ego free. I mean, I am the best DJ in Chicago. Let's just, let's just set that up. Say it, say it. Keith is the best DJ in Chicago. KC, Uh the man. Okay. So next question. What is something you would tell little Keith before he got into the business that you think would have you in a total different direction or what something, if you knew it now, then it, you would be in a whole different spot. Um, that's a great question. Um, I, I would, I would, I've made mistakes taking on partners. I haven't protected myself legally as strongly as I should have. And fortunately, I'm too stubborn and dumb to fail. And so even when I have had major setbacks, like my last business, I didn't protect myself. Uh Um, And my business partner that I brought into the business, 18 years into the business, she was able to walk away with it. And I mean, we, we went to court and it was what it was, but uh, you know, at the age of uh, 40, I was starting my life over again. And it was my fault. I mean, I put myself in a position where I didn't protect myself like I should have. So I would strongly suggest that I focus on the business as much as I focus on the performance side of it. You know, I was always the guy that was able to go out and schmooze, make the phone ring and jump up and down on speakers and tables and be a lunatic. And and that was it. Um, You know, in my twenties, I was doing 150 events a year without blinking. I mean, and it's funny because now I think of it as at 52 going, Oh, I don't want to do 52 weeks, you know, 52 jobs a year, let alone 150. And, um, and that's it. But back in the day, I I, I really, I really like that legal. Uh, I'm 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 let me be a little transparent here. So I've been in the business 20 years thinking I know a bunch of stuff. And uh, I have I have never really heard about Moby. Being in the military, I was overseas a lot, traveling different things, and I had never been to a show. I came to my first Mobile Beat. I think it was twenty or twenty one. Okay. Everything I learned from that show, I went back and totally changed my business and doubled everything. I mean, it totally exploded my entire business. And you're right, legally, business is the most important part of this thing. We need to know. Yeah, it's great to have all the skills, the toys, and all that stuff. But if you're out there DJing and somebody you got an agent and they're getting 90%, you getting 10%. What are you doing? So I agree yeah, but, with but you hang now. Hang up. I don't have a problem with an agent getting 90%. As long as I'm getting the 10% I asked for. Yeah. But no, what care. I'm saying is we do dumb things because we don't know, or we'll sign a contract or we won't get in a contract or we'll and, get in an agreement. Right. You know. And as good as these zoom recordings are, and these Facebook groups are, and that, I'm I'm telling you, getting into a hallway and talking with your brother or sister of DJ, mm-hmm. seeing people up on stage. Um, I granted my first DJ show was in 1989, uh-huh. and it gave me it was like October, November of 1989. It gave me the the guts to go. I'm leaving. So for the next like three months, I planned my exit to leave, which meant I had, I was putting money away to buy equipment. And these were back in the record days. Ooh. So the company I worked for supplied everything. 
All uh-huh. I had was my own personal record collection of Bon Jovi and Billy Joel and my favorite, you know, people. So I actually remember once going in on a Sunday to the office with a three ring binder and I was writing down all of the albums and records that were in my record collection. So I could, I was making an inventory of stuff I needed to go out and buy. And I remember the owner walking in and I didn't, was not prepared for it. He goes, what are you doing? I go, oh, I'm inventorying everything to make sure that I know where everything is and memorizing everything. And he goes, oh, okay. And he didn't question it. And he walked out. And he had no idea I was making a shopping list of albums that I had to buy for my own collection. And then I was going on my lunch breaks or and there was a series of used record stores throughout Chicago. Mm-hmm. So every time I got a paycheck, I went and I bought as many records as I could buy with that paycheck. And, and that was it. When I had my, when I had my final, uh, when I had my music library set mm-hmm. and when I had my two 1200s and my Newmark 1750 mixer, <laughs> that's when I gave my notice because I knew I could rent speakers and an amp from a couple of different places. Yeah. And that was it. And I started with a business partner who also had DJ equipment and he and I just viewed things totally different. He was very, very, very left brain, very artistic, very right brain, very artistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, super, super artistic. He would pull music for every event, not like specifically requested. He would just think like, oh, this client's going to be way more into freestyle. And he never had permanent crates of music. And I was like, how? Oh. I mean, and he had the biggest music library I'd ever seen. He had just walls and walls of music, but it just didn't work for me. And I wound up. <laughs> it, it didn't work for our backs either. But yeah, well, it was just it was we just viewed things differently and we parted on good terms. And and that was that. But he went on to doing all kinds of art stuff and, you know, super talented guy, just, you know, I have a balanced brain. As in, so I'm as a creative and logical as it can be. So I appreciate, you know, being artistic and being fun and everything else. And I appreciate being on time, having backup equipment and and doing all of those things. They're they're of equal value to me. Absolutely. So next question, what is your secret sauce? What makes Keith different? What makes Keith uh, testicles. I have huge balls. <laughs> that's it, man. That's all there is to it. I now mean, you're going back to Facebook, Keith. Uh, some of those posts I've seen out there. So no, go yeah, ahead. no. I'll be honest, like man. I'm telling you, I just have. I am one stubborn sob. Okay. If I want to do something, I research it and I go for it. And until you tell me, unless you prove to me it can't happen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Like I'm, I'm until you prove that it can't happen. Like everybody said, starting a DJ show was a mistake. And I said, not only am I going to start one, I'm going to start the best one. And the reason for it was at the time I felt I had a good perspective of what DJs wanted. Mm-hmm. And I felt they wanted a higher level of education than what was being currently offered. And I focused 100% on education. Our first DJ show, we only had like 12 vendors. And they, were, they weren't really as much vendors as they were sponsors. Yeah. And I'll tell you, like Danny from Max Photo, 
uh-huh. so it's become a huge entity. It was one of his first shows. He sold nothing, not one single solitary item. Yeah. And so I had to beg him to come back in year two, and he did great. And then this past year in 2021, it was his biggest show that he had ever had. Like mm-hmm. people loved his products. I had a great audience for him. And he said it was the best he ever did. Now, PBX and MEX this year for him was his biggest show, which means I knew I now have a new role, which I have to bring in enough qualified DJs that are going to see his products that I now break his new record. And that goes for all of my vendors, you know? And so if you take a look, well, we'll talk about my show, but I I believe I've got a a great lineup of presenters. We're going to have fun parties. I'm killing myself to get, you know, the right exhibit floor put together as well. So. Okay. So you already jumping into it, but now we know a little bit about Keith. Tell me about the Marquee show and the photo booth conference, you know, whatever you think my audience would like to know. I'm going to go back to one other thing that you kind of said, what's the secret sauce? And here's the the big thing too. Okay. When you look at your company, Mm -hmm. the one thing that makes you different is you. Like there's only one DJ JP, right? Absolutely. At the same point in time though, the question becomes is how are you different than everyone else? And so let's look at um, hamburgers. Let's just use that as a thing. Okay. The question becomes is, why is it that you can go to Gordon Ramsay's burger inside of Planet Hollywood, spend $18 on a hamburger, go to In-N-Out Burger, spend $3 on a hamburger, and people are both satisfied? The, the question becomes like, what market are you going after and what's going to make you the best in that market? I mean, if you watch the movie The Founder, which was the story of McDonald's, um, Ray Kroc was just blown away by the McDonald's brothers' total efficiency. And at the time, their efficiency also, you know, he said it was the best burger he'd ever had in the movie. And it's probably because they had developed so many systems to make their French fries great, their hamburgers great. They, They bought the same thing. And so you as a DJ, what makes you great? And a lot of DJs can't answer this, okay? So I'm only going to say it in name. But the question, Jay, is are you the best MC in your market? Are you the best interactive dancing DJ in your market? Are you the best beat mixing or programming DJ in your market? Are you the best production? Like, are your lights designed because they fit in your car? And when someone says, do you offer lights? You can go, yeah, I offer lights too. Or did you specifically design a lighting system that, yeah, maybe you have to have a trailer or whatever, but when that wedding couple is on the dance floor, their whole whole dance floor is lit up in a nice soft romantic blue and and everybody's there. I think too often, and and I had a conversation at dinner one night, with some with a dj from arizona mm-hmm. and he said oh i like this brand of lights and they were talking about something at the show and they're like what's great about it is it's small and i've got a way of getting a great deal on it and it'll fit in someone's car and he gave me all of the reasons and it has a wireless remote control so you don't have to program anything but what he never said was 
they're going to look amazing on the inside. It's it's going to light up the floor. It's going to look. I think isn't that the whole point? Yes, to create you know? a, a certain atmosphere. Yeah, right. I mean, wow. the question being is like, does it impact the client's experience? Yeah. Okay. So I might have to reframe the sales question. I like those. Those were really, you know, are you the best MC? Are you the best? You know, right. and, and, I, and I'll say the best possible that you can be. Uh-huh. You know, what's funny is we all play to our strengths and then downplay our weaknesses, right? Mm-hmm. You can turn around and say, my clientele is not looking for somebody super showy or that has a Michael Buffer voice. So my voice is fine. But when it comes to programming, no one's better than DJ JP. Yeah. It's kind of like, no, that's bullshit. Excuse my language. They want that. <clears throat> You're just pushing one aspect over another. Because wouldn't we all want somebody with Michael Buffer's tone, with Michael Jackson's ability to dance, you know, with incredible programming that can mix like DJ Jazzy Jeff? Of course, that's humorous like Will Smith. That's, that's uh, you know. That's so what like- you're saying is we should all work to have everything possible in our tool belt to and work sharpen those skills. Exactly. Each one of those skills, not just be a great MC, not be a great dancer. Not be a great beat master, right. but to be able to do it all to a level that's to above the best level average. that we can. Yeah. Okay. Above average. You know? oh, and that's wow. it. So, and, and I think, again, rather than acknowledge our weaknesses and play to growing them, I think that too often we make an excuse. And, and like, I hate when people use the word good enough. And we use it every day. And mediocrity is the enemy of greatness. And, oh and that's just the way that it is. It, it's, it's funny how sometimes on these, you know, you won't even ask questions about certain things, but the answers will get you to where pretty much say what, because like done some interviews and something, well, I don't need to know how to be matched. And uh, oh, all this, you okay. know, I'm, I'm a great MC. I get out and dance. Everybody loves what I do. But you just said that I don't even have to ask the questions about different things. You're you're putting it all out there in perspective. There are tons of industry leaders, high profile DJs that, you know, like my good friend Brian Bonacici has said, mm-hmm. like he totally downplays MCing. He's a great DJ. He's charging I think twelve thousand for himself. And when I talk to him about some of the MC things that I do, he's like, yeah, I don't do any of that. He's, he's told me I should start my own DVD or like video mm-hmm. just to talk about how I choose to MC and kind of go from there. Speaking of which, he just texted me. Is this live or something? He's just texting me because he noticed something about our Facebook page. Is uh, He noticed that it's got a, a low-res image of, of – uh, Allenberg speaking at it, and he thinks mm-hmm. that I should fix it, and he's right. He's, so I'll once we get off, I'll find the time today to to tweak it and go from there. So yeah, yeah. So like I say, now we can jump into the show. Okay, so okay. tell me, you told me about the great speakers, presenters. Uh, what other facts did you want? Okay, to let, let's about? talk about the the negatives for some people. All right, okay. guys watching this, girls watching this, everyone watching this. It's in June. I know it's a busy month. I know like your kids are starting a little league and, and the summer's starting and winter's over and you want to start barbecuing. And it, there's never a good month truly for a DJ show. June works for a variety of reasons. One of which I believe is the city of Chicago in June is a beautiful city to come and visit. 
All right. It also, well, this year is a little bit different because of NAM moving around and everything else. From an industry trade show point of view, it lent itself as being very positive. So when is NAM this year? NAM is actually the very first week. They pushed it six months. It's going back to January in 2023. But it's literally like the 4th, 5th, and 6th. And then our show is the 14th, 15th, and 16th. Okay. So what I am hoping is the manufacturers are going to show all of the dealers all of their new toys. And then they're going to come to my show with their new toys. And they're going to let everybody see it, feel it, touch it, and uh, and show what's going to be new and exciting from Pioneer or Electro Voice or QSC or whomever. So... That's what my goal is, and that's what I'm I'm pushing for. Um, but right after them, immediately, like almost overlapping, is Infocom, which goes until the tenth, and then we start on the fourteenth. So this is going to be for dealers and reps and uh, manufacturers. The month of June, they're going to be really happy to go on vacation Fourth of July weekend. No question. About it. it used to you used to have it in July, right? We did, and then what happened was. Um, 2020 was scheduled for July. Uh-huh. COVID interrupted it. When we went to reschedule with the hotel we had it scheduled at, they didn't have anything available in July of 2021, but they had June available. And so we kind of had to go with what was available. And we had a beautiful hotel, um, a Hyatt hotel. And then we had we had a really nice show last year. The pod, The feedback was extremely positive. The energy was great. Everybody enjoyed it. And we're going to be double in size this year. So we had to go to a hotel twice as big. And so we shifted one week. So we're the week before Father's Day. And for those of you that can, I would strongly recommend if you're not booked, come out for the show, stay through Father's Day if you can, and enjoy the city of Chicago. Or at least come in the Sunday before and enjoy the city the show will start with a welcoming party on Monday nights mm-hmm. and uh, go from there. So the negatives are, yes, it's in June. Okay. Yeah. I don't the think negative, that's a negative. I mean, I think we make excuses. Okay. You're preaching to the choir. On so this if you're a DJ, uh, more likely Monday, yeah, you could probably have a corporate event. You can have, a, yeah, we can have corporate events during the week. I can plan to not work Monday through Thursday and still make my money. And if, and if you're a single op, yeah, it might cut into your money. If you're not a single, if you're a multi-op, you can book, get somebody else to do it. That's not I've, a show. I've so, been told by multiple people the month of June is just too busy of a wedding month and I should do it in January. Well, January, you can't do a show because of that. February, you're already kind of kissing uh, the MEX show. And in order for the what people don't understand is that it has to work for not only the attendees and the presenters, but it has to work for the for the uh, Venue, manufacturers, the location, right? Everything has so to work. so February's out. March we have MEX. April we have Easter, and we just had MEX. So you're not going to try to get something. The end of April you've got the Midwest DJs live show. Now June you have us. July used to be Summer Nam, which wasn't so much a DJ show, but it was a guitar show. You also then have, uh, in the month of August, DJ Expo. September, everybody's going back to school. Extracurricular fall activities are starting. Yeah. October is the busiest wedding month of the year. 
Then November, you've got Wedding NBA and LDI. And then December, you have Christmas. So there is no perfect month where it just no, like do a show. So my argument for those that say like June is too busy, it's like anything. If it becomes a priority for you, you'll make it happen. And if not, you'll make an excuse. And that's true of anything in life. I mean, I'm blessed to be this good looking, <laughs> but I've got some belly here. So, yes, yes, yes. you know, that's that. But, um, but no, I mean, I, I encourage everybody to, to do enough pre-planning that they can make it out because it's going to be well worth it. Con number two for some people is we're not in a casino. I view it as a pro though. Listen, I love, I love the energy of casinos in Atlantic City for DJ Expo and for MEX. And Vegas is a great town just for Vegas. But I posted on the, on the what do you call it, on my group page yesterday. There were 1,100 DJs at MEX. And there were never more than 200. In the, do you in think the that, the, did you get those numbers from Rob? Do you think from those? Rob, yeah. He said 1,100 passes were passed out, specifically the DJs. Now, Stephanie Rivkin, who was an attendee there, uh-huh. There said, listen, I came here to party and hang with my friends. I get it. I totally understand. Even if it's not my choice, I understand it. But for the people that are coming to Marquee, I promise you, I'm going to show you a good time. Yeah. But more importantly, I'm going to give you more tools than you could ever possibly implement in one year and going to give you tons of possibilities. So to me, there's three parts of every single show. One is the education, number two is the exhibit floor, and number three are the parties, okay? Everything else is a byproduct, you know, like you meeting your new best friend in the DJ world in the hallway. I can't control that as a show producer. No one can. But the three things I can't control is doing everything I can to get the exhibit floor as full as possible with a variety of vendors. And this is a tough year. There are still a lot of supply chain issues, which is why you didn't see a lot of people there. Last year, we had a lot of companies that were on travel restrictions from their corporate, so we couldn't get them to come out, you know. And so this year with things opening up, I'm really hoping that people take a, a positive look and see us as the first big show after NAM and and they come out and support and make a lot of money uh, showing off their product. Yeah, so, so, so those are the cons. Yeah. Here, here are the pros. Okay, all right. Give me the good stuff. I believe, I believe I have the best educational lineup in the DJ and photo booth industry. I've handpicked each and every single person. It isn't people who have wanted to, I've, I've had to turn away more people asking and inquiring about it speaking at my show than I have people speaking. And if people do want to speak, if they watch this and they think they do have something to share, if they go to Marquee Show, there's a page called Speaking Opportunities where you can let me know who you are and why you think that you have something unique and different to offer. And and I take every single one of those into into, uh, advisement. My entire show is completely filled with the exception of some of the sponsored seminars which are put on by manufacturers as an added value to being a part of the show. But we have some of the best in the business speaking. We have Alan Berg, Mike Walter, Dave Lander, Brian Bonacici. We have some new presenters that have never presented really on any national stages before that are joining us, like Stacy Hawk Carroll, which is super exciting. We have... Um, but I'll take them out so you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, 
it's we really I, I think that the foundation of the show is education. And okay. then with that comes with that comes um your uh your show floor. Mm-hmm. And then again, things that are different. Um, we have a morning boot camp every morning. So I saw that. Have, I was looking at it yesterday. I said, wow, they have a boot camp at yeah. 7 a.m. in the morning with uh, Robert. With Tavares. Yeah, Tavares. Tavares is an MC. I actually, I met Tavares. One of my guys met Tavares. He was a waiter at an Applebee's, and we brought him into our company. He worked for me for like 10 years, mm-hmm. and then is kind of bounced around. But he was on American Gladiator, uh, American Ninja Warrior. He's got his. He owns his own gym, so he'll be out doing a morning boot camp. We have Scott Favor coming in. Um, we have three different keynote speakers. The first of which is WWE WWE Hall of Famer Diamond Dallas Page. And yes. I know what you're thinking. Like, what does he have to do with DJing? And I'll tell you right now, nothing. He has nothing to do with it. And, but I, I totally disagree. I, look, can I throw this in? Uh, when we yeah. had, I want to say Ted DiBiase, but they all have, they all gave something. There was another guy, the guy that does a bar rescue. He was really great too. John, so, Taffer. I mean, John Taffer did do it. Except. Yeah. So, so I mean, like DDP is not talking about how to MC in front of 23,000 people. He's not talking about how to be on television. He's a motivational speaker about talking about how 90% of your life is what happens to you, while 10% of your life is about what you are attempting to do. Okay. Okay. I mean, no one could see COVID coming, right? No. So everything was, was how you reacted to it. Nobody in the Ukraine could have seen what Putin was doing. Nobody could have seen their presidential candidate winning or losing or someone in their family getting sick or dying. Like we are constantly having obstacles tossed at us. And our job, the way that I think more successful people are successful is how they react to it and they choose to be positive, how they view things. You know, I believe there's what happens in life. And then there are the stories that we tell ourselves in order to justify how we feel about those things. Yeah. You know, I don't understand this customer. You know, she was inviting me to her house for dinner. You know, she wanted to set me up with her single daughter, you know, and she chose to go with a different DJ. OK, like you can't figure it out. All you know is she went with a different DJ. Yeah. It could have been budget it could have been what they offered like you, you don't know well so, something i try to do is i'll ask them hey if you don't mind can you tell me what was the deciding factor some of them will tell you some of them won't correct. some of them gonna lie to you some of them gonna tell you the truth but sometimes they just jail better with somebody else so they personally yeah, that's totally fine or it, a lot sometimes it's money it could be a number of things but i can't People make bad decisions all the time There are tons of beautiful women that have not chosen to date me. I mean, crazy, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Huge laws. Huge laws. Our show floor is growing and is going to be full. I know we'll sell out. Thirdly, we've got some really fun parties. I'm not trying to impress everybody and their brother and do some sort of Vegas nightclub. On Monday night, we've got Chad Blackburn coming in from San Diego that does probably the best karaoke show I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm -hmm. He is just a ton of fun and with a whole bunch of type A personalities, 
It's a great evening. Tuesday night, we're doing an 80s party where we are encouraging people to dress 80s. And I don't care, like, if you're not into theme parties. You can go to any T-shirt company on the Internet, find your favorite band. You can find a 1980s Born in the USA T-shirt. You can find a, a 1980s Bon Jovi who turned 60 today T-shirts and toss it on with a pair of jeans and you're 80s enough. But it's going to be really fun. We're serving Chicago style foods at the bar. Um, working on sponsors, hoping to have an open bar even. But the main thing is, it's going to be fun. We're going to be dancing and jamming out to 80s music all night long. And I'm 52. I grew up in the perfect time where when MTV exploded, that was it. Like I remember running home after school, flipping on the TV to catch music videos right after. Friday night videos were always on. In my fraternity yes. house, we had MTV on like the radio in the background. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it just, it was a great time. So we're going to have a really good time. I've got some surprises in store. And then we've got DJ Kubert coming in. Um, we've got some some other really uh, great DJs. Come, DJ Flipside, who's the Bulls DJ and toured with Pitbull and Enrique Iglesias will be there. Oh, we've wow. Got, uh, we've got a whole bunch of really great DJs that are going to be spinning on our Wednesday night club night. And I'm still working on getting a bunch of other people that I can't announce yet, but it's going to be a fun night. And the whole thing there is it's going to be a good time. Like, I'm so, so I'm so yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, get my ticket. I'm going to tell my wife today I'm going and hopefully she won't. Okay. For your wife, with, you know, yeah, sometimes shopping mall right across the street. She can go crazy. She's into the business, so she comes to all the shows with me. She was there. She was at your seminar. She always goes, but sometimes, you know, she has a big one she's going to in November, so we're going to have to start splitting these things up a little bit because okay. she's a stationary because that's why I really laugh when you start talking about the stationary starts it with sure. uh, you need the best paper. You need this soft, silky paper. Hey, and I, just, I was thinking about her when you were saying that, and it just cracked me up. So, yeah. all right. So what are all your social media platforms? How can everybody get in contact with you? Uh, Facebook is the best way of getting in touch with me. And honestly, the best way to interact with me is just join the Marquee Show group page. And? So it's uh, Marquee Show Community is our, mm -hmm. is our little group. So that's the best one. You can get me at Keith Kokoris, um, which is down here on the, you can see it down below. Um, and those are really the best. And then obviously, Go to marqueeshow.com and check out everything we have so far. I'm tweaking the website today, so I should have 100% of the presenters done. I should have 100% of the agenda done. So you should see exactly what we're offering, um, and it should be it should be fantastic. And um, and that's it. You know, we're the next big show happening now that Mex is over. Yeah, because I I looked at some of the video. I mean, some stuff from last year, and I was like, wow, I wish we could have went. You know, you make commitments, and then COVID, and everybody being nervous, yeah. and then we had the re up of what was it, Oriana, whoever it was, Delta, whatever. Yeah. You know, we had another pandemic. Uh, run through. But uh, one more thing. Can you tell the prices and what they'll get for different price levels? Sure. So if you want to just come out and make a trip to Chicago or if you live in the Chicagoland area and you see this, you can walk our exhibit floor for free. Absolutely free of charge. Doesn't cost anything as long as you get your free exhibit pass before June 1st. Okay. Then we have our education passes which will give you education and get you into all of the parties. 
Um, and I'm going to look that up right now so that I don't misquote you. I think it's 349. I think that's what it is, too. And then our full pass, which is the most popular of our passes, is uh, 499. And that, to me, is the way to go. And it's kind of like an all-inclusive resort. And that gets you into the exhibit floor. It gets you priority seating in the front of the seminars, complete with schoolroom tables in front, so you can take notes real easy, just like being in grammar school or college. Um, also, you get all of your lunches for Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday included. Mm. So you can literally go right out of the classroom, you know, immediately to lunch, continue conversations with DJs and photo booth professionals that you without meet. Without having to go anywhere. Without having to go. You're not having to worry about ordering. You don't have to worry about who's driving. I don't have a car. Do I Grubhub it? Do I have to pay an absorbent overprice for uh four different things like it's all right there and it's just super convenient so i'm glad that you brought that up because i always want to ask this question i didn't get to talk to rob when i was there why do you are you incorporating lunches into your schedule uh i i know that on tuesday when the show opens we have a two-hour window for lunch and the official grand opening of the show floor so i think lunches start at 11 and then the show floor opens at 12 and we don't have anything going on until like two o'clock on purpose. And I believe Mike Walter is opening then he starts after lunch. Let me look at agenda. Yeah. So I, I just think that's something they need to incorporate. Cause what if there's a great speaker at one o'clock, but or 12 and everybody wants, you know, sometimes, you know, you got to go get something to eat. So I think that that needs to be incorporated in all the shows moving forward lunch. Yeah. You know what though? Most of the trade shows anywhere in the country don't have a designated time. And there's a couple of reasons. One, any hotel or casino probably is not going to be able to take, let's say, let's say that it's uh, they shut down all the seminars, mm -hmm. 3,500 people trying to eat at the various restaurants at even the South Point is not going to, it's not going to go well. It's going to be a hot mess. Yeah. So but I, I still think, I mean, well, you can't have a great, well, they're all great, but it just, I don't want to miss something. So how do I, eat? you know what I'm saying? Well, have you been to wedding NBA? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, not only do they not have a lunch break, but they have multiple classes and multiple tracks going multiple, on. Multiple, multiple. All the time. <laughs> it's like college. So it's yeah, just it's a like kind of thing. And then you just have to make the best decision. Pack for lunch. Yep. Or, Pack you know, or, you know, you do like you do as a DJ. You eat and you run. And that's it. Yeah, you know, you yeah I just think that's something I think they should incorporate. But that's just me. I'm going to figure out. But I'm just, I like what you said about uh, 3,500 people having 1,000 people just breaking out on a hotel trying to get something to eat. Yeah. It's and tough. then, yeah. So that, that's uh, really I mean, you can't be all things to all people. No. Because some people will be like, I'd much rather be eating a hand-packed jelly sandwich and learning. And you can't say that they're wrong. And at the same point in time, you've got people that say, I learned so much more at lunch with my colleagues. Just like how you brought up a few things I've said just in passing today, where you're like, oh, I didn't think about it that way. <laughs> That's one of the beautiful parts of lunches and dinners and breakfast and things like that. You will never hear me talk about DMXing lighting or crossing over sound systems or um, 
are scratching and mixing. Like I'm a marketing guy. It's the way that my brain thinks. See, I told you and you wanted to say you weren't a marketing guy. Remember? I didn't say I'm the marketing guy. I like marketing. Okay, you like so you're passionate about talking about marketing. Yeah, that's right. So I need to find my true passion and see what I want to. Yep. I have a few things in mind, but I'll I'll come up with some. But Mr. Keith, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, I look forward to seeing you again in Chicago, and uh, maybe we can do a live little go live or something during the show. And uh, you know what? You should bring it up. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of uh, other presenters. They would love to come on and uh, you could you could have a whole library of stuff. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, use the time to your best. Yeah, I will. Uh, but I'll shoot you the link when the show is ready. And uh, uh, man, I, I really appreciate it because little old Jeffrey, you don't have to come on my show. You don't have to talk to me. And that's what I try to tell everybody about going to the seminars. Uh, even the biggest person there will take time to talk to the smallest unknown DJ in America and pour into them. Uh, all egos are left at the door. And uh, I just love that about the conference. Yeah, I'm going to say with the exception of Diamond Dallas Page, who's only with us, going to be with us for his thing. I think almost every presenter that's going to be there is going to be there for the conference. Okay. So you can, you know, offer to grab Mike Walter and buy him a cup of coffee. You reach out to people to see if they'll have breakfast with you. That, that's yeah. how I started with it. Years and years and years ago, I mean, people I really admired, like Andy Kibon, God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. I I reached out to him. I grabbed his business card after he was done speaking and asked him, can I call you? And he said, yes. And we were friends up until the day that he died. So, I mean. Yeah. And, and that's what I do. I'll reach out to somebody and say, hey, can we have lunch? Can we do whatever? Uh, like when I was just getting into DJ event planner as my CRM, I reached out to them and I said, hey, man, can I buy you lunch? He said, no, you don't have to do that. But he came. To, I came to the booth. He spent an hour with me in the booth. Was that Fletcher uh, or Covey? Uh, the new guy. I can't think Fletcher, of his name. Yeah. Yeah. Fletcher's and Fletcher good. just, I mean, you know, anytime I need something, I call him. He takes care of me. I said, man, just, like I said, you leave your ego at the door and it's just really educational and you make some lifelong lasting friends. And like Absolutely. you said, yeah. But Keith, I want to say once again, thank you. Uh, thank you for jumping on. And uh, when, as soon as the show is ready, I'll send it to you. And brother, you have a good one. Stay warm in Chicago. Beautiful here now. It's like 50 degrees in March. And, I'm happy and prayerfully, that. I'll see you in June. Okay, thanks. All right, brother. Take care. All right.